Hey Tim, we're on, uh, we're on TV, so yes. We're glad you're here. Stand, sit, do what you want. Here's an oldie but a goodie. It goes like this, blessed assurance.
all the day long, praising Him, acknowledging Him, trusting Him. We want to take this time to greet and meet no one. And uh, we, I do want to, I think it's appropriate this morning, you didn't know, but it was bring your son to worship team today. So um, some of you know, my name is Todd Zeller. Some of you don't know, and this is my son over here, Grant Zeller, on the keyboard. This is, this is Lori Prophet. Many of you know her. And then her son, Patrick. And then Jerry Yoder and his son, Scott, on the drums. <laughs> that, that's not true. That's not true. That was a joke. And this is Dan. And that's Lori's other son and husband. <laughs> But we're glad you've tuned in. We're in weird, weird times. And sometimes you just need to laugh. And uh, what you can't see this morning is while we're singing, Pastor Tim is going to be doing interpretive dance in the gym. And then during the sermon, we're actually going to shoot baskets. Um, hopefully you don't hear that. But we are, uh, this is the best we got on these days. And believe it or not, his church is meeting all over this world today. In home churches in China, in streamings everywhere. So will you continue to figure out how that you can connect with your God during these days? In the middle of the fear, in the middle of the news, in the middle of the isolation, we still have him. Remember, he is everywhere at all times. And he knows all. So will you bow your head with me as we go to him? Almighty God, maker of the heavens and earth, you are sovereign and in control. Father, we're reminded today that you hold the whole world in your hand. And you know, you know what we need today. We're reminded today that we are powerless to control anything. And so again, we open our hands, we open our minds, we open our hearts, our pocketbooks, we open ourselves to you. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Where you help us and remind us to be open, to let go of our strong grip, to know all the information, to know exactly what's happening, Father, we open our hands and our heart. We ask that you would be very present in our lives in a new way, in a new world. And we all said, Amen. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to thy grace streams of mercy never cease 
ever feel prone to wander? We're so distracted. We have so much coming at us. We got text messages, we got voicemails, we got emails. And then once in a while, someone, Amazon, knocks at our door. We got lots of distractions, lots going on. I wanted to read a familiar passage this morning. Psalm 23. The Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. The Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you have everything that you need? Everything that's important. Everything that's solid, we have. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I, will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me and they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. All the days of our life. Every day. And then I will live in the house of the Lord. And I'll live there forever. Amen. All my days. All my days with Jesus. Every time I tried to make it on my own. Every time I tried to stand and start to fall. And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on. There was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing.
separated Jesus you are still king of this world you are king over it all you are in control you hold this world in your hands and even though it seems so chaotic and like it's hopeless to some Lord you are the hope giver nothing gets by you this is not something that's a surprise to you Jesus your people are singing out to you around the world from their homes from empty churches and worship team singing to an audience of one, which is you. Man, Lord, you're good. We are honored to sing to you. We thank you for meeting us here. And this world needs you now, unlike ever before, not because of a, a virus, which is so important, Lord. We don't want to belittle that, but because there are souls that need you there desperate. Lord, touch them. Touch them today. Now that they're completely by themselves, Lord, let them run to you. And let your people be lights 
Lord Jesus, draw us into your word. Let us dig in deeper than we've ever gone before and make us bold and make us prayer warriors. And Lord, I pray that you will just sweep through our nation and this world and they will see how mighty you are. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We believe you will end this at the right time and in the perfect way. And Lord, I just pray that until then, that these people's hearts will be drawn in closer to you, Lord, that they will give it to you fully without strings attached. And Lord, they will become lit on fire for your gospel and for your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to worship still. Even though things seem harder, it's still easy to worship you. So we love you. We thank you for all you're doing and what you're going to do. And I just pray that you'll be with us today as we receive your word even more. Grow us up in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are going to have a time. You may be seated. Oh, you may be seated. (laughs) You may refill your coffee. (laughs) Miss McKenzie's going to come up and have a time with the kids now. So she's on her way. Hey, Woodland Life Center kids. Good morning. Happy Sunday. So excited to see you joining us today. Um, As you know, Easter is going to be coming upon us. I don't know if you've been outside yet making forts and snowmen yet, but the birds are singing and they're super happy about warm weather coming soon. And I just want to get us ready for, for Palm Sunday. We're obviously doing Palm Sunday, a little bit possibly different this year. But at the same time, we, we can still celebrate. So I'm going to actually um, read this story to you while you look at the picture. It might be kind of far away. Here's our palm branches. Would you like to hold on to that? Yes. Okay. And then I'm going to talk to you about something really cool that we're going to do afterwards. So if you remember Jesus coming in on a very special donkey that was just chosen just for him, and it's the triumph entry. One spring day, Jesus and his 12 disciples traveled the long road to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It was a sunny morning as Jesus rode into the city on a donkey. The people were very excited and cheered. The king is here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They waved their palm branches to welcome him, and they laid branches and cloaks on the road as he entered. Over the next few days, Jesus preached the word of God by telling stories and healing the sick. Many people crowded around to listen and to praise him. But he had enemies, too. The authorities were afraid that Jesus was gaining too much power over the people, and they thought it should be stopped. Even one of his own disciples, Judas, would have thoughts to betray him. So with that being said, I have some questions for you. What did Jesus ride into Jerusalem? What did he ride? Can you kids tell me? What was it, Haven? Yeah. And were the people excited to see Jesus? What do you think? Yes. And why was Jesus traveling to Jerusalem? To celebrate the, starts with a P, Passover. Yep. And what did the people wave and lay at the road to welcome Jesus? What was it? What is it? Palm branches, yes. 
So with that being said, hopefully you guys are doing some great crafts at home this week, doing some different activities. What I would like to do is announce a contest that we're going to have. Um, all ages, from nursery toddlers, clear up to high schoolers, actually, because I know we have some great artists, middle schoolers, and high schoolers that go to our church. Um, we're going to have different age vision, d- divisions, if you will, or, yes, age categories, maybe I should say, um, in you turning in a picture. So you can draw the picture, you can paint the picture, but it needs to have Jesus in it and something about Easter. So whether you want to do something about Palm Sunday, um, if you want to do his resurrection, crucifixion, anything with Jesus in it that has to do with Easter, you guys draw your picture, have your parents uh, take a picture of it or scan it to me. You can uh, text it to my phone number. Okay, you guys ready? 520-429-0047. Again, 520-429-0047. Or you can email it to the church email address at woodlandlifecenter at gmail.com. And if you want to get those in um, by two weeks from now, so, well, actually before Palm Sunday, so let's do next Sunday, March 29th. We're going to print those off. I'm going to have a special judge judge the different age divisions. And then whoever the winner is will announce those coming up in one of Miss McKenzie's minutes. And you guys will get a cool prize in the mail that you can use for later. So anyway, you guys have a great Sunday. Enjoy your family time together. Love you and miss you. Bye. And here's Miss Shelby as she comes up to talk about um, board updates. Good morning, church. I hope everyone is staying home and healthy. Um, The board just wanted to update everyone on the new lead pastor search. Right now we're taking the surveys. We're still continuing to do so. We're pulling those wants out and making a profile for the new lead pastor. Um, I'll hope to, as a board, update you maybe twice a month or when we have new information so you guys don't feel like we're forgetting about you because we're not. Um, And I hope you have a great Sunday and stay tuned in. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Shelby and Miss McKenzie. And that helper that Miss McKenzie had was Miss Haven. That's Miss McKenzie's daughter. And it's great to have her helping us here today as well. I have, um, I am envisioning that somewhere out there, there are people that are listening to this, tuned in. And I am aware of the fact that there in uh, Arizona, there's probably Bob and Robert and uh, Paul and, and uh, Donna. And I know in, in uh, Florida, there's Jenny and Jeff. And up in Denver, there's Jamie and, uh, and uh, my grandsons. And so I believe today that even though we may be in uh, basically an empty room, I believe that our audience is probably much bigger than it normally is. And so we're glad you're here today and worshiping with us in this different kind of a setting. You probably, well, I'm just going to assume that you do have a Bible there on your lap uh, as you're sitting in your living room with your uh, cup of coffee and your pajamas on or whatever you're wearing. 
And if you have that Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, excuse me, the book of Hebrews, get to Galatians later, the book of Hebrews chapter 12, where we'd be reading verses 1 through 3 together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Merle Wilson became my Sunday school teacher when I was in middle school. He, um, he drove a truck for the Sunshine Bakery Company there around Wichita, and that was a company that basically produced cookies and crackers. And when he became my uh, Sunday school teacher, he was rather a rotund guy. He was not soft. He was very solid, but he was rounder than I am probably, and it was obvious that uh, to this young 12, 13-year-old boy that he was not a man to be taken lightly. Well, I found out why when he started teaching the class. Because across the years that Merle stood before us, the three or four that were in the class, he, he, he started talking to us about what his life had been like before the church, before Christ. And he told his story. Merle had been a... a well, Merle had been a drunk. That's what he had been. He served as a bouncer in some of the, I guess, the, uh, the more notorious night spots in Wichita. Those were his words and not mine. And so are these when he said I was Wichita's number one bad boy. I don't know what all that involved, but that was his description. And I sat there in awe listening to him as he shared with us and spun tales of what life had been like when he was a bouncer and a drunk. Now, you have to understand, I grew up in a home that was so Nazarene, uh, I don't think we ever even spoke the word alcohol. And now here was a guy standing in front of me who had actually consumed beer and lived. I was in shock. Merle... Uh, owned a 1956 Chevrolet Bel Air. And about once a quarter, he would load the little group of guys in that Sunday school class into his car, and he would take us on a Saturday morning trip somewhere. One time it was to down across the border from Kansas into Oklahoma where we visited Alabaster Caverns. And on another occasion, it was north from Wichita to Abilene where we visited the birthplace and the museum of President Dwight Eisenhower. And as we would drive, he would continue to talk to us about life and about Jesus. And on one occasion, I remember we sat in a restaurant for lunch, and he was kind to the wait staff, and he was eager to visit with people that sat around us and tell them his story as well as why we were there with him that day. And on one occasion, on one of those trips, we had a flat tire. And here you have three or four uh, junior high age boys that were more than eager to get out and show their prowess and mechanical abilities by changing that flat. So 
Merle just kind of stood back and watched us. When we got the tire changed and made our way to the next town and we stopped for a meal, uh, the guy at the next table started talking to Merle. And Merle was telling him who we were and what we were doing and told him about the flat tire that we had. Well, I I love the fact that when he sat there and spoke to other people, this guy who had been the bouncer, who had been the drunk, was now the guy who was doing all he could to share the love of Jesus. Well, it was interesting because as he spoke to the guy next to us and told him our story, that guy got out his wallet and peeled out a $20 bill and gave it to Merle and said, take your car to the garage next door and replace that tire. And so he did. And I'm watching this. I'm an an impressionable junior high boy. And I'm being exposed to the values of Jesus and the joys of watching prayers answered. I was called into ministry from that little church in West Wichita. And Merle was aware of it, but Merle never heard me preach. He never heard me speak. Uh, While I was in high school, Merle and his wife started attending a different church that was closer to their home. And... uh, I preached my first sermon when I was 19 years of age, but Merle had already passed away and joined what is mentioned here in this passage of Scripture, this great cloud of witnesses. So I realize that there have been so many folks across my 72 years that have given me a glimpse of Jesus through their own life and their words and their actions and their attention. And I loved them, those people. Even as a young boy, when we had a family from the church come to our house for a a meal, I wanted to stay at the table with the adults. Not that I had been put at the kids' table. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that after mom cleared the dishes and was getting ready to serve some dessert, and the adults were still seated around the table, The kids would take off to go do something else. I wanted to stand there by that table. I wanted to lean on my dad's shoulder and listen to what they were talking about, about Jesus and about the church. I wanted to take in that kind of conversation. And that continues to this day. With you. With you. I might not know most of you by name. I may not know you very well at all but I'm interested in who you are and what you have to say. And I like standing out there in the foyer and hearing your stories because you're making an impact on me and the other people that maybe just listen in like I did standing around the dining room table. They're standing around listening as you talk to me, but it's having an impact on them. Everyone that you rub shoulders with, everyone that hears your story, I'm sure you've heard the story, perhaps many times, about the guy that one day was walking through a beautiful church building. It was more like a cathedral, really. And he had his little four-year-old son with him. And as they walked, the boy looked around at the soaring ceiling and the religious artifacts and the objects that were stationed around in the church. And they captured his young mind and his attention. And, And then he stopped and... He was curious about those stained glass windows that looked so beautiful with their bright 
colors, painting watercolor hues and designs across the floor of that great cathedral. And as he looked at those windows, he asked his dad, who are all the people in the windows, dad? And his dad said, well, son, those are saints from hundreds of years ago. And the little guy said, dad, what's, what's a saint? And the dad was, he was stuck. He, he wasn't sure how in the world he would answer that. He was at a loss for words. How was he going to explain a saint to a four-year-old boy? And then, as the boy was still looking and the father was wondering, the boy shouted out, oh, I, I know. I know who saints are. They are the people that the light shines through. How profound. They are the people in your life and mine through whom the light shines. Who are the saints that have touched your life with the transforming love of Christ? Maybe they're still alive and not in a stained glass window somewhere. And maybe they're members of this local church. But most of us were given, have been given, our first glimpse of Jesus through one of His saints. Someone like you, perhaps. You see, the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear that we are not alone, even when we're in a virus crisis. Not only are there multitudes of folks who have gone before us and passed the faith on to us, but there are also a multitude of folks who are running the race with us right now. They're in process with us. Now, I know you can't really tell it. Those of you watching or those of you who are sitting here. But about six weeks ago, I started going to the gym in order to be able to use their treadmill. Because I don't mind walking, but I don't like walking when it's freezing or there's snow on the trail. So I joined the gym. I, I, I wanted to be able to walk with greater comfort. And so over these weeks, I have grown to enjoy that challenge. And I would, in, I would quickly add, don't get me wrong, I don't run. I, I don't even jog. You see, I'm able to walk at a pace that some of you with shorter legs would be jogging, but I can walk three and a half miles an hour. I can walk four miles an hour. I can, I can walk. Now I've learned something during these six short weeks. I've learned that you are really joyful only at the end of the jog. But this passage seems to indicate that I'm supposed to find joy in the process at the beginning and the middle and the end. And that's because we already have the prize. The prize is already there. And that prize has been won by the author and the perfecter of our faith. Once and for all, He went to the cross and died for our sins. And so in this race that we are running, there are no losers. And there is no competition. Instead, we are running together. We are teammates. 
some run alongside us and some in front of us to help us along the way. And up ahead, at the very front, is Jesus in first place, giving us the will to, r- to run and showing us the way that the race is supposed to go. And this passage says we are to fix our eyes upon Him. Like a lot of you, I've never needed to practice that discipline more than I have in the past couple of weeks. Coronavirus has people, uh, if not frightened, uh, at least anxious. And every day seems to bring um, a new notification of something else that we can't do. Something else that's supposed to keep us safe. And so I find myself in this situation. I'm serving a new church, this being the third week. But I don't have the ability to have church as we normally experience it. I find myself aware of the fact that church finances usually take a hit during any kind of transition. And then being struck by orders to cancel our gatherings makes that that much more intense. It always takes a toll on a church when a service is canceled. Let me tell you, from my experience 48 years as a pastor, two times in my life I've had to cancel a service and both of those were because of snow. Now I'm canceling it because we have been ordered to do so. But I discovered that those times that I did have to cancel the income of the church dropped those weeks, and for the most part, you never recovered what had been lost. Can I just remind you that it's okay to get online and make your normal contribution or to bring those by the church, knock on the window, and McKinsey or somebody will come and let you in? Or you could do something as old-fashioned as actually writing out a check and putting it in an envelope and dropping it in the mail. We've also discovered that shopping at stores has been a bit of a challenge because we go in there and the aisles have been picked clean of things that we think we need. And then on Thursday, we had the snowstorm, the mini blizzard as it was called. And I find myself Friday morning thinking, okay, God... I think we've had about all we can handle here. Be okay. A little bit of uh, encouragement some way. Lord, I don't think we can handle anymore. And as one of my friends used to say, God said, Oh, I think you can. (laughs) I think you can handle a little more. And I'm thinking, okay, God, I retract that former statement. Maybe we can. I've had cabin fever on occasion, but probably not as acutely as I did on Friday when I realized that because of the virus, I can't have church, I can't go out to dinner, I can't go to a movie, I can't get a haircut, I can't get a group of friends together numbering more than ten, I can't do anything that I want to do. And then yesterday morning, 
as I set up my computer, I started listing off all of the incredible advantages that I have during this challenging time. You think about what it would have been like in uh, 1950. If you had a TV then, you had three channels. I've got 500 channels. I've got YouTube. I've got Amazon Prime. I've got so many avenues to entertain myself that I can't even take them all in. I'm living in a house that's got a gas-fired furnace. I do have food in the pantry. I've got wood stacked up for the fireplace. And I look around and I think of the advantages. And then Friday, when I thought the cabin fever was getting so bad, I said to Jane, why don't we get in the car and just go for a drive? Can you imagine someone in 1900 saying, uh, yeah, we've had a blizzard and we're quarantined. Let's just hook up the horses and go for a ride. I doubt that it would have happened. I am surrounded by blessings. We are surrounded by God's grace and His mercy. We are surrounded by that. It was earlier in the week that I had remembered Hebrews 12 too. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, I've preached from this passage before, probably even here, but I'd never felt the impact of that little phrase more than I have this week. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. It's not the things that I'm not able to do, or it's not all of the things that I am able to experience. Somewhere in between all of that, I have to reset my priorities and remember that Jesus is my focus. You remember how in the New Testament people would come to Jesus and they would ask Him, how do I enter the kingdom of God? Or how do I inherit eternal life? What did He say to them? He said, follow Me. He was saying, throw off the junk that you're caught up in. Maybe you want to forget those 500 channels of entertainment you have coming in. Throw away that stuff that has you tangled up and follow me. And that's what he says to us today as well. There are times when the journey becomes joyless. Life throws things at us that we don't expect. Get used to it. That's life. A year and a half ago, I noticed something different with Jane. And took her to the doctor and through examinations we were given the diagnosis that she has mild dementia. And after receiving the diagnosis we went out and sat in the car together and we cried. <laughs> and then she opened the glove box and she got out those napkins from McDonald's that all of you ladies stuff in the glove box. And we wiped our tears. And she looked at me and she said, I still know who you are. And as long as I do, I'm going to act like nothing is different. Life throws things at us that we didn't expect. And suddenly it feels as though 
life has been derailed because of this stupid virus. And so we huddle in our homes. And I think there are 11 of us in the building here this morning trying to put together the pieces of what it means to do church in a different way. And trying to reach out to people that we care about. Because we've been thrown a curve. Those things only seem worse when we take our eyes off Jesus. When we take our eyes off Him, that's when we grow weary and lose heart. It's not just when things are going our way or we feel sick or when we're running from a virus. It's when we take our eyes off Jesus. It's when we stop loving and serving and, and, and caring. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. You see, we have a tendency, we have a tendency to think that life comes from promotions and authority, that joy is a byproduct of wealth and position. But if I'm going to follow Jesus and keep my eyes fixed on Him, I've never in my generation had a better opportunity than I have in these days, these weeks. In the process, I can also feel less stress and less anxiety and less frustration with what's happening from the decree sent out from Caesar, the government. Jesus taught us that living for God and others totally reverses the pecking order that we normally live by. That with, that with changing that, real joy can be found, not in being served, but in choosing to serve. And we've never had more opportunity. Sometimes people in the church have been heard to say, and I've heard them say this. People have come to me and said, well, you know, Pastor, we're, we're going to look for a different church. Really? What's wrong? Well, I'm just not being fed here. I have a friend who uh, took exception to that old adage. And he said, if you're not being fed... Maybe it's not time you put down the menu and put on an apron. Maybe it's time you put down the menu and put on an apron. And that's what Jesus teaches us. That's how Jesus lived. That's how Jesus ran the race. And it's the call of Jesus on our lives right now. Put down the menu and put on an apron. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that so hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us during these days. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who 
for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Some of you think you're limited, but you're not. Find a need this week and fill it if nothing more than making a phone call or writing a note, find a need and fill it. Find a way to be people that let the light shine through. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks today for the privilege of being part of what has happened here. For the joy of being called your sons and daughters, for the privilege of gathering to worship you and listen at least partially to a word. Father, I pray that even as we have spoken and the worship team has been singing, I pray that your Holy Spirit found a way to just brush up against our people today and remind them of your faithfulness and your grace and your mercy And that perhaps, Father, through these simple acts this morning, we have been challenged to fix our eyes on Jesus. For it is in His name that we pray. Amen and amen. Above the way 
faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Sing, Spirit, lead me. where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you may call me. Take me deeper than my dream could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the
do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat of men under the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and he's holding 